0: Rocket Radio recorded on Sunday the 9th of March 2014 and this is episode 32. So hello and welcome to the show. The show called Roy's Rocket Radio and as you know if you have been following my podcast it was called something rather longer at the beginning uh, that I truncated uh, for the sake of Brevity and politeness. Um, if you want to know what I mean, just go back a few, a few episodes, maybe to the beginning. The point being that um, I, I definitely feel that I'm in the mood to maybe change the name of the podcast again. There's no discernible reason for that, other than the, the sheer irrelevance of the title. I mean, I don't own a rocket or a radio station, but my name is Roy. Roy. So there you have it, a bit of inane chatter about nothing. So, on with the news. And I apologise from the get-go because the first item really isn't anything at all to do with genre. But it's just something I noticed and I, I thought was amusing. As well as annoying, as many things are in the news. The news about the latest batch of insane pay rises. It's all over the news lately. Barclay's executives and others getting huge pay rises while the economy seems to be tanking. The weirdest stories seem to surround massive lossmakers like the Royal Bank of Scotland and the Cooperative, who continue to pay huge amounts to their top execs. The situation really is a forehead is forehead slappingly funny until you realize that maybe you or, or rather me made a wrong career choice somewhere, and perhaps an MBA and Oxbridge might have had you laughing all the way to the World Bank. Yes, this really doesn't have anything to do with genre, but it's my podcast, so there. Okay, economic rant over with now on to something that i revisit every now and then in my blog and the podcast Uh, what i'm calling here the genre ghetto revisited so this is about film reviewer mark commode who recently went on a mini rant about gravity because it was suddenly around the time of the Oscars, deemed by the makers themselves not really to be sci-fi. I'll put a link here in the show notes, if you want to watch the video clip. So, by... Sci-fi or genre ghetto, sci-fi ghetto, horror ghetto, fantasy ghetto, but in this case sci-fi ghetto, what we're talking about is this rather, uh, and I find, revolting phenomena that arises out of a fear, mostly by the creators themselves, that genre work, especially sci-fi, may be considered to sorry, may be consigned to something known as the sci-fi ghetto. By that I mean um, that sci-fi is not really worthy of serious consideration as art, and therefore the, the makers of sci-fi media, films, TV, books, try and pretend that what they've just produced really isn't sci-fi horror or fantasy at all. Well, this makes no sense. I mean, take for example Frankenstein, which is, which is definitely sci-fi, and is a work of literature. Though now, considering that, that I don't know what the reaction was at the time that Mary Shelley wrote that, maybe she didn't consider it sci-fi herself. Maybe I need to do a <coughs> bit more research into that. Anyway, it's good that he brought that up in such a a mainstream... method. Given that he is a, a media personality, commode that is. I mean, it's all very well someone like me banging on about it, but no one really listens. The two last things that really annoyed me in this respect were margaret atwood's the handmaid's tale and kazuo ishiguro's never let me go these were both books made into highly well adapted into highly successful films and then denied by their authors as not being sci-fi all i have to say to anyone who's ashamed of what they're writing is just stop it and I put a link here on on a tiny little rant that where I mentioned those two movies in my blog okay next up on Thursday I finally went to what, outside of swap meets and book fairs, is probably my first gathering of genre folk. I went to the British Science Fiction Association's First Thursday, which is apparently a monthly event that has been going on since 1946. It's like a little pub gathering. I basically went on, on to this meeting. Sorry, because I was a bit fed up of sitting on me, Todd, in the library or lurking behind the bookshelves of Waterstones. And also because I haven't managed to make it to even one single con yet. Also, without partaking of any kind of community thing, as well as being socially isolating, it makes your writing suffer. You really need to get out into the world to be a good writer and I'm telling myself this as much as I'm telling you you guys, I mean you can hardly say that writers like Ernest Hemingway never lived life to, to its fullest. So, that, that was my motivation, but back to my first trepid, even timid steps into meeting like-minded genre folk. So, what happened? Well, mixed results, actually. A tiny few that I met were quite welcoming, but, but that, even that took quite a bit of effort on my part. But the whole arrangement, sadly, does seem a little bit cliquey. Also, the weekly event definitely had the feeling of a meeting of fans rather than creatives. All in all, I'm guessing that it would take a substantial cost in time and effort for an outsider like myself or anyone else, or particularly like myself maybe, to start to feel at home. I think that if I lived a bit nearer to the city, the city of London, the tiny bit in the middle, where the meeting is held, I might in future have put in the effort of attending more meetings and try and build up some relationships, but given the expense, distance and inconvenience of getting there, I don't really think this is for me. To be fair, I don't think this is a problem exclusive to BSFA, but many organisations with a limited number of members can get a bit too clubby. Another example I can give you um, is that I was attending an NUJ meeting, the National Union of Journalists meeting. But again, the payoffs, not just the social ones this time, but also the professional ones, because I was hoping to make contacts, that would mean more work, have not been forthcoming. Now, the conclusion ...that I have come to is that if none of the groups out there that you see advertising, uh, canvassing for new members, uh, meet your particular needs, then maybe you should form your own. Basically, don't spend too much time on something that isn't going to get you to your destination. Okay see what we have next oh ah, yes in movies i've i've only got one thing to mention this week and it's pretty short it's about the movie inkheart which was on tv yesterday inkheart is a 2008 film i'm not going to bore you silly with the whole plot now but the basics of it are that Characters in books, made-up fictional characters, are in actual fact real, and can be brought into our own world. But the point I wanted to make, is that this film has the sweetest happy ending I have seen for a while. And I'm not saying that cynically, I I mean it sincerely. There, There might have been a tear in my eye and a lump in my throat when I watched that ending. I mean, the general consensus about this film, even on IMDb, I think is it is only a three-star movie. Rotten Tomatoes might rate it lower than that, but the ending is rather nice. Okay, next, TV. Right, I'm planning on doing a marathon Doctor Who viewing. This is in preparation to the next Doctor Who with Peter Capaldi that starts at the end of the year. Now I've talked about doing something about Doctor Who for quite a while, um, but given that my <laughs> that my technical knowledge about the entire program isn't that high, I'm I'm talking more of someone who's watched the series several times round, in fact, but never. I've never seen them all in sequence, in chronological sequence, that is. Though, of course, strictly speaking, does that really matter, given that the Doctor himself has an extremely non-linear set of adventures through time and space and parallel dimensions and whatnot. But (laughs) we're talking about the broadcast dates, and I'd like to see them all one after the other, from the very beginning, to the very end, to where we are now. And that will probably include the two Amicus movies as well, that starred Peter Cushing as a Doctor. What this will mean is that I've got a lot of viewing to do, and a lot of podcasts to do, in the next few months. And it will mean a regular spot on the show, for as many weeks as it takes to get through the whole thing. So what I'm getting at is perhaps you'd like to join me by listening to the podcast and maybe contacting me as the weeks go by regarding the episodes as they are covered, or rather enjoyed, by me. Just give me a few days to organise things and we'll kick things off next week. Or even sooner maybe. You know what? I'm really looking forward to this. It's you know the cop the popcorn is locked and loaded. It's about time I had a bit of fun and this this looks like it. Other things I'd like to do a marathon marathon viewing of are uh, maybe Blake 7 and Babylon 5. But honestly I've seen both those shows repeatedly in the correct order as well so this, this will be something new for me okay so that's a marathon Doctor Who viewing coming soon so stay tuned and let me know what you think next technology so Nick Clegg has finally acknowledged mass surveillance and has said that we really need to do uh, a study into GCHQ's mass surveillance. Well, you know, pat on the head and everything for noticing that, but blimey, it's not something we all haven't wanted for some time anyway. Or even known about for some time. Couldn't be something to do with an election being a year away. Okay, and still sticking with surveillance, we've had the latest uh, palaver from GCHQ with the Optic Nerve Programme. Yes, Yahoo has thrown a major wobbly about the millions of pics from users' webcams hoovered up en masse from Yahoo Chat. GCHQ were apparently surprised by the amount of compromising explicit material. It makes you wonder what, what century they're living in sometimes. And it just, it also brings to light that your digital footprint is far from confidential, so just be careful with what you share. Um, next, Apple's CarPlay. So, this is a new Apple product that is a kind of interface for your car into which you can plug in your iPhone and or iOS device i assume which will then integrate into the vehicle's systems once you can once you have done this you can control a bunch of iPhone things like messaging music maps and possibly some external car systems too. Like, I, I don't know, I'm just throwing things out there, but maybe there's an app to control the climate of your car from your iPhone. Now, how how do you actually interact with the iPhone, with the CarPlay thing itself? And, as far as I can see, I've read so far, I think um, Tech Radar mentioned this, You can talk through Siri, through touch screens built into some vehicles already. And you can also use the actual physical controls like dash buttons of the car itself. Now, I can already see problems. First, Siri just ain't that great. Or else it's just not that great with me. Maybe it just doesn't like my lisp. But um, the other thing is, uh, let's talk about touch screens for instance. Now and then I've had to hire a car and I've noticed that touch screens in cars are nowhere near as good as the touch screens built into iOS devices or even most Android devices. Many of the. I mean the last one I tried was, um, it wasn't even capacitive, it was resistive. Yet you actually had to push your finger into the screen hard to, for the screen to register that something had happened. And this was, I'm trying to remember the car that I drove, it might, might have been a year back, but it was, I think it was a Peugeot. 306 But anyway, uh le- let's see. Yeah, the other thing is that you will need a new car with CarPlay pre-installed. Yeah, it's not it, there's no way to really put it in old cars, although some prestige car makers are looking at doing retrofits. Basically though, this is not going that this new CarPlay system is not going into Bill Boggins' old Ford Mondeo. You need a fairly new car or a brand new car or a prestige car for you to even get this system going. And the final insult is that you will need an iPhone 5 and up to even get in the game. So humbug Apple Humbug. Right, next. Last thing I wanted to chat about, just briefly. Because I've got a bit of... It's Sunday morning and I'm not actually free to, to carry on talking for too long. Because I have to take the car in for an oil change. Yeah, the last thing I wanted to chat about was the loneliness of writing in general. Now, I touched upon this at the beginning with talking about joining things that will keep you from being completely isolated and the di- difficulty in doing that but on that same subject i i was just browsing surfing the internet and i found a rather useful site and this is some practical advice i found online on the web pages of military sci-fi writer elizabeth moon Now, this is a real no-holes-barred talk about some of the downsides of being a writer and, more importantly, how to deal with them. Now, although I don't read Moon, I was surprised and rather chuffed that a genre writer had taken the time to chat about this stuff and then publicly disseminate the material. The particular page, that I perused was about her experiences with depression. But there is quite a lot of good stuff. Also, just one directory up, where she offers advice to writers on a number of different topics. And I've put the link into the show notes as usual, but it's short enough that I can mention it here. It's elizabethmoon.com slash essays Dot H-T-M-L. So that's it for the show this week. If you have any questions regarding the show, please contact me via RoyMathur.com. That's R-O-Y-M-A-T-H-U-R.com. That site also has about a zillion ways to contact me, both on social media and more traditional methods, or just subscribe to the podcast. So thanks for listening, this, was the sh- this show was recorded around 9 o'clock on Sunday the 9th of March 2014 and it was episode 32 of Roy's Rocket Radio. So thanks for listening again and bye for now, hope to see you next week, bye!